0: or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Lance Tanaka is the founder and managing director of the Lance Tanaka Group, a consulting company which provides the world's leading multinational companies with executive coaching, executive team coaching, and group coaching. Lance's group is committed to bringing the techniques and best practices of successful executives to the next generation, of world leaders, whether you're a senior executive at a global Fortune 500 company or just getting started in your career. And we know there are plenty of people just like that. Lance's group has a program designed to meet your needs. He's also the author of three books, Dream and Achieve, Stories from the Top, and Tend Your Garden. And like me, he is a podcast host. So I hope that we'll hear all about each of those items in our conversation today. And lastly, Lance is also the former vice president for Nike Cole and also spent a number of years at Pepsi-Cola. Welcome, Lance.
1: Thank you, Abbott. Thank you. I'd appreciate it.
0: Great having you with us today. I gave people a little bit of a background on you, and I'm wondering if you could spend a couple of minutes telling us a little bit more about your background uh, and kind of why you do what you do today and what it is that the Lance Tanaka Group does for the world.
1: Okay, well you did a very good job on the introduction. (laughs) Let's just add a few things. You know, when I was at Pepsi and Nike, one of the main things they did, what I would do, is move into markets, turnaround markets. And my job was to go and find out what was wrong, try to come up with a strategy, and then then implement it, and then move on to the next market. And, uh, it was great training, and, and what that did, it, that allowed me to build the skills to do the executive coaching, which uh, established the group uh, 20 years ago. There are nine of us, uh, nine coaches, and uh, been able to accumulate over 17,000 hours of coaching executives globally and coached over 800 uh, C-suite level uh, executives. And it's, it's really around leadership and communication and management and helping them be able to work through some of the things that they need to get around, get or manage around some of their development needs. But it's also to leverage their strengths and get them to better identify who they are and then apply that into their career and life
0: great you know when you talk about what you have done in the past something that sounds a little bit about one of the behaviors needed to be brave at work is practice right uh, just because we talk about being brave at work doesn't mean it's like flicking a switch and suddenly now you're the bravest person ever created so i'm wondering if you could tell a little bit about you know how being a leader at pepsi and nike colhan helped practice the theories and the strategies and the experiences that you now share with clients who are looking for the same type of outcome.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd say, Ed, that uh, maybe kind of an overriding, foundational thing, a mindset is uh, learn that leaders need to be authentic, so incredibly important. And what I mean by authentic is be the leader that you were designed to be. Too many times people try to copy somebody else's leadership saying, oh, that, you know, that's somebody I really, really admire. So I'll try to be that. Well, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, and so if if people can really try to focus in on this is who I am, this is what I believe, these are my values, these are my strengths, these are my passions. Uh, and then uh, build that into their career, and into their life, and they will find that people will actually gravitate to them people gravitate uh, gravitate to those who are authentic.
0: You know, we hear the word authentic or authenticity a lot on our podcast. And I, I wonder if we could just pause for a second and maybe even have you repeat a little bit how you define authenticity, because it is at risk of being jargonized, right? Oh, you got to be authentic. You got to be authentic. And people are like, well, I don't know what that means, right? I am authentic. But, you know, in your experiences, you know, what does authenticity mean? Because I do believe that's very important to be brave at work, that if you are experiencing somebody in a way that you don't want to experience them or they're behaving in a way that you think you can help them, authenticity would help you say something or do something with that person to help them be more effective than they already are. So how do you define or you know, what does an authentic person look like to you?
1: Well, you, to your point about being brave in the workplace, this to me is foundational, being authentic, because authentic means that you are operating the way that you were meant to operate. You're, you're, you're being consistent with your personal values and you are leveraging your passions and your strengths. Um, and the reason why I consider that brave is many organizations actually want you to be something saying, "Okay, this is the kind of leader we want you to be or friends and family say this is the kind of company we want you to be in. Uh, That's hard to uh, to refute that or say, no, 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 no. You know, I appreciate uh, your input, but this is who I want to be. This is where I want to go. And so it does require, I think, great bravery because consistently along the way, people are going to try to take you away from who you were meant to be.
0: Well I think what you touch on is highly relevant because I believe culturally and I'm not a statistician so I've not studied this personally but you know culturally we are oftentimes more in a fit in type area a culture you know you need to fit in you want to fit in with others hey be more like them so that they'll accept you better as opposed to I don't want to say not fitting in but staying true to who you are And, you know, looking for ways to bring who you are to the entity versus fitting in. And is that something that you see with many of your clients that they debate the difference between fitting in and abdicating their values and authenticity versus being who they are?
1: I'd say a very high percentage try to be what other people want uh actually a small percentage are really focused in or clearly understand this is who i am this is uh, what i want to be I, I can give you an example as f- it's actually a fairly recent example know, i was working with a partner in a big three consulting firm and his career was kind of stagnant because in this in this firm it's kind of up or out you only have so many years or so much time before you have to move to the next level and if you don't you're you're, you're out and so he was very very concerned And uh, I think the reason why it was stagnant is because he was trying to figure out what the firm wanted. This is what we want you to do. These are the kind of clients we want you to work with. This is the the area that we'd like you to work in. And so what he did is he needed to start figuring out um, what it was that he wanted. Because when he was trying to follow what they wanted, uh, yes, maybe it would get him promoted a bit sooner. It's quite possible. However, if you think about it, if he does get promoted to the senior partner position, he'll be maybe in a role in a situation that he doesn't really enjoy or it doesn't really leverage his strengths. Uh, and he's got to do that for another 10, 20, 30 years. To me, that doesn't sound very fulfilling. And to him, it didn't. So what he realized is that uh, he needed to start working on who he was, because if he didn't, he would eventually fail because he wouldn't be leveraging his passions and strengths. And so uh, he realized that it would take him a little longer if he started defining, okay, this is the market. This is the the area that I want to focus on. This is what I want to be. But he realized that in the long run, it would actually uh, succeed or even speed things up because every day he get to work on what he would, what he loved to do and leveraging his strengths. And in reality, it did take him a bit longer to get there. Maybe it was another six months or one year. Uh, But geez, one year in your career life is nothing. And if if that means that puts you in a position to be more successful, and he is quite successful, he made senior partner, he's much more energized, and he's happy. And so uh, I think that's a great example that uh, people need to understand how to focus in on who they are.
0: Well, you bring up a point that I think is worth repeating, which is this challenge that I think many people experience, if not all people, which is, hey, do I say something to my boss that I think they should hear that might be difficult for them to hear? Or do I want to not say anything and increase the likelihoods of getting promoted, right? So, I mean, and these might be things you only talk about with your spouse when you get home saying, oh my God, my boss is driving me crazy, but I'm afraid if I say something... I'm going to get moved to the side and somebody else is going to get put on the front seat than me. And I think these are things people think about. Right. These are one of the obstacles we create to being brave in the workplace. And I know this is audible only. You're shaking your head, which means you agree that, you know, this is something. And so it sounds like you've seen this in your career.
1: Oh, all the time. And, uh it's again, it's not easy. And that's where the bravery comes in <clears throat> because there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of things that will tell you to kind of move off that direction that you really need to go. And so you really need to be confident. You need to be brave. You need to have that, that uh, the attitude to saying, okay, maybe this might hurt in the long, in the short term. Maybe I'll say something to my boss that he won't like. But if I can consistently do this, I'm going to be further, le- better leveraging who I am and I will be more successful. And not only that, I'm going to be happy because I'm going to be doing you know, the things that I love to do and that I'm good at. And that's what we're, we always try to work with people in the, in the coaching business is that change your direction or your target from how do I get there as quick as I can to how do I get to where I want to go?
0: Yeah, I, you know, when I work with clients, I call it the reflection moment, which is six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, when you look back and you reflect on who you were and what you did, are you going to be happy? And if the answer is, yeah, I don't know, right? Because I don't think I stood up for who I was and what I believed in, what I liked. You know, maybe I should do something a little bit differently than I'm doing today. Or, yeah, absolutely. I'm living to my values. I'm living to my Beliefs, and so I think upon reflection, it would work out really well. You know, I'm thinking, Lance, a little bit about some of the organizations you worked at, like Pepsi and Nike, big global organizations, right, where people probably assume, oh, everybody there is brave, right? You have to be to work at Pepsi, or you have to be to work at Nike, and I'm just wondering if you could reflect a little bit on your experiences there, and is bravery something that uh, was demonstrated all the time? Is lack of bravery, something that was demonstrated all the time. I mean, what was the kind of environment and culture in those two organizations?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting is that both organizations are what I call step function change or movement. And so, you know, there's risk taking. And what
0: can you just, if I could just pause you for a second, when you say step function, what do you mean by that?
1: I mean, radical improvement, not this incremental three, 4% every year. How do we get a 20% jump? And so big ideas were very, very big. So, yeah, from that standpoint, bravery, it would be consistent. However, you're in an organization (laughs) and when you're in an organization, especially a large organization, uh, there is a lot of politics. And when you get into politics, those are the things that will kind of push you down to say, follow, you know, follow me. Do, do what we want you to do. Uh, and so you had that kind of push-pull dynamic going on. And I, I can give you an example is uh, when I was the president of Taiwan, not, not of the country, but of the, of the operation in, in Taiwan, uh, I was sent there because it was a small operation, little market share, losing a lot of money. And so uh, the brief was to go in there, assemble a the team and figure out what's wrong, come up with some strategic options to be able to turn the thing around. So we as a team worked on some options. I then had an initial talk with headquarters and the headquarters said, OK, wonderful. However, we want you to stop losing money in one year without any investment. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. And then they also said you kind of have to kind of soft sell the team. Because we want to keep them motivated. We don't want them all to jump ship immediately because we need you to come up with, uh, with, this, uh, with this approach. So I didn't agree with that. Uh, we needed to do, to do something dramatic. And that dramatic option was probably sell the manufacturing plant and then turn over our direct sales system to the joint venture partner, which ultimately meant that everybody would lose their jobs. So they wanted me to soft sell it, and I said, "Well, I don't think that's going to work. If if you want this team to truly go after, uh, explore this option of turnaround without investment, they're going to need to be, they're going to need to feel like they're going to be taken care of, because they know they're going to lose their job. They're, they're they're coming up with a strategy that will will uh, lose their job. So instead, what I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them everything." I'm going to tell them this is a situation. Here's why. Uh, But then I also said, I'll find I'll do everything I can to help find all of you jobs. And what that did is that really created a, a situation of trust where they knew that I would tell them whatever I heard from headquarters, I would tell them as soon as I knew uh, and they felt, you know, that uncertainty got reduced. And you know, the interesting thing: we did end up selling the manufacturing plant. We did end up moving the operation to the joint venture partner. Everybody lost their job, but all of them, I found them jobs. In fact, one person found them a job in the competitor, which is something which is you generally don't do that. But to me that was you know that was my value or the, the, the value system that I had. And I found and, and, and I, I said earlier when I was with Pepsi and Nike, they put me in, in troubled markets. And so I've used this this template, approach of tell people everything that I know that that I'm allowed to tell them, tell it to them as soon as I can and tell it to them as often. And it's worked out in every single turnaround that we did.
0: Well, it also sounds like you did something that helps people make progress, which is be very visible in what your commitment is. Oftentimes they say when you have a goal, especially something like losing weight, or, uh, you know, things of that nature, tell people that you're attempting to do this and work on it because your likelihood of achieving it is greater, not much different than being brave at work. If you want to have a conversation with your boss that you think is potentially problematic, it may not be, but, you know, these are obstacles and things that we create in our own minds. Uh, Telling a couple of colleagues, privately that you plan on having this conversation with your boss, even using them as role models to say, Hey, here's what I want to say. Here's how I'm going to say it. How would you react? You know, what would you be? Well, use this word or maybe do it in this order can be a very effective way for people to make good progress.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the worst thing to do is not express your opinion, you know, especially in a situation where they're trying to brainstorm a solution And and a solution comes from the boss, but it's maybe not the best or can be improved upon. The worst thing to do is for everybody to stay silent.
0: Yet that is something that happens in almost every organization around the globe. It happens at client meetings I'm in where I'm an observer that I know there are people there that feel differently. I know that they have opinions and yet they don't say anything. And it's mostly because they have self-created these obstacles that prevent them like, I don't want to delay the agenda. I don't want to get us off topic, right? They create all these brilliant reasons why not to say something instead of saying to the boss, hey, Lance, thank you so much for sharing that perspective with us. I have another point of view that I think it would be important for folks to hear to help enrich this conversation. Is it okay for me to say it? For some reason, that those words just do not come out of people's minds. I'm just wondering as we're ending our conversation today, Lance, any thoughts or, reasons why you think that is so hard for people to do why it is so hard for people to express their opinion if it's different than what somebody else is talking about Fear. that's what
1: is that fear the the, the main reason they the, as you said they have these preconceived notions saying if i say this if i disagree with my boss I'm going to get fired. I mean, it really goes to that direction. And, and so when we're working with people, we tell them, you know, don't do that because one, what is the probability that that negative outcome will really occur? And it's pretty low. Instead, come up with the approach that would minimize any potential downside. As you said, maybe practice it with somebody, change this word, change that, affirm it, but offer you know another suggestion. Um, and if, if you kind of go through this process of of understanding your fear and how to minimize it hopefully that will give you enough confidence enough bravery to go ahead and express that and if you do it properly or if you do it professionally and well you will actually be uh, be looked upon as 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 you know more valuable You're adding more value to the team. You can be looked upon more as a leader. You can be seen as somebody who's being confident. So there's so much upside to expressing your opinion, even though it's against what uh, somebody in the senior level thinks.
0: Well, and it is just so funny how we first go to why shouldn't I say something and start creating all these reasons versus going to why should I say something and start creating all these reasons? right? We don't seem to spend enough time there. Lance, thank you so much for your time today. I think your background and experiences add a ton to this perspective about being brave at work. How could people contact you if they'd like to talk to you a little bit more about what you're doing?
1: Well, they can get me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm active there, but uh, the best place would be my website, which is uh, com, or they can send me a direct email at Lance Tanaka at com.
0: Terrific. Well, Lance, thanks again. It was fantastic speaking with you today.
1: Thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate it.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at at BeBraveAtWork.com and download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com.